Thank you for joining us on Loving Theology. Our aim is to reconcile our hearts to the truth in God's Word. I hope that you find something inspirational in today's content. Hi, I'm Joseph Walter. This is my wife, Monica. We wanted to take a minute to do a special post uh, for Mother's Day, um, specifically for women who've miscarried or who've had trouble conceiving. Um, let me start by telling a little bit about our story. So when we got married, we had plans to wait a year before having a kid, but apparently God had other plans. Um, our daughter Abigail was born just 10 months after we got married, which is literally as soon as possible. Um, and then even our son Elijah was born just 14 months after that. While it wasn't exactly our plan, uh, we were grateful. After Elijah turned one, we decided it was time to try for another baby. On October 31st, 2018, Monica surprised me with a positive pregnancy test. I couldn't have been more excited. Over the next five days, we debated names, told our parents, and daydreamed about the future. I left for work on November 5th, like any other Monday, um, but then maybe around lunchtime, Monica gave me a call. And when I answered it, she was uh, sobbing hysterically. Um, she had started bleeding. Later, we found out that we had lost the baby. Since that time, we've found a wonderful ministry for couples who've experienced miscarriage, infertility, or infant loss called I Am Fruitful. And we received love and comfort and realized we're not alone. When we shared with those close to us about our first miscarriage, most people would ask us how far along we were. And it was pretty hard to process how the sympathy diminished when we would share with them I was only five weeks along. Our minds were filled with questions like, was this real? Did it really happen? Will I ever see them? Um, perhaps the most fundamental of these questions is whether or not it was real. Allow me maybe to take a step back from the emotion of all of this for a minute to discuss that question objectively. First of all, I'd like to acknowledge that this question is really a scientific question at a certain level, uh, and most specifically, a biological one. Um, biology has basically defined um, certain characteristics of living things that when present define something as alive. Um, and each of these characteristics become present uh, precisely at the moment of fertilization or conception. You see, it's the process of fertilization that forms the first cell, which is a characteristic of living things, with its own unique DNA that grows and develops using material and energy to do so, while responding to its external environment and maintaining a stable internal environment. Having established this, then the next question for biology is whether this living thing is an individual human organism. As I mentioned, it's the process of fertilization that forms the first cell's DNA. Specifically, that DNA is human DNA. And even more specifically, it is distinct from both the mother and the father's DNA. So what that says is that um, that first cell is not only human, but is a distinct individual human organism. Scientifically speaking, conception is precisely the moment that an individual human being becomes alive. But is this individual human being a person? Do they have a soul? Now the soul isn't a scientific concept, but a spiritual one. So we'll be leaving off from science and we'll see what does the Bible have to say about this. Now consider the Old Testament. The Hebrew word nephesh is the, is the word that's most commonly translated as soul. It's translated as soul 238 times. It's translated as life 146 times. And it's translated as person 68 times. From just that simple analysis, we can see that the biblical concept for um, life, for person, and for soul are all the same concept. 
So to say that a human being is alive is to say that that person has a soul. Now, if conception is really the beginning of a person's life, then you would expect to see some emphasis on this in the Bible. And in fact, we do. The Bible references conception 56 times. But the big question is, does the Bible use this uh, term in the context that a thing is conceived or in the context that a person is conceived? Consider David's lament in Psalms 51.5, where he says, in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, obviously implied in that language is that David himself was conceived, not something, but an individual person with a unique calling from God. In fact, the Bible frequently uses the, the term conception in the context of some sort of person or persons being conceived. Furthermore, the most frequent use for the term conception in the Bible is at the start of a person's story. It's the start of Cain's story, Isaac's, Jacob and Esau's, the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, Moses, Samson, Samuel, David, Job, John the Baptist, and many others. Through his divine inspiration of the scripture, God draws our attention first to their conception as the beginning of their story. In fact, five of the references for conception are about the conception of Jesus, more than any other character. In order to be fully man, Jesus didn't bypass conception any more than he bypassed pregnancy or childhood, because it's essential for being human. This was by God's design. He has such regard for conception. So what does all of this mean? It means that it was real. If you've conceived, you're a mom. If you've seen that positive pregnancy test, you have a child. What's more is a home pregnancy test only measures for a hormone that's released at implantation, which is five to seven days after conception. There's another hormone, EPF, or early pregnancy factor, that is released at conception that isn't measured by home pregnancy tests. So even if you haven't seen a positive pregnancy test, you may still have conceived without knowing it. Furthermore, this hormone deliberately inhibits your immune system in order to protect the baby. Your body knows that you're a mom now. This baby should be protected rather than rejected as a sickness, putting the baby's safety before your own. Even though you're unaware, you're already a great mom. We'd like to take a moment to acknowledge something that's very dear to our hearts. This message can come as a heavy burden to those who found themselves ending a pregnancy. Any weight of shame or guilt, it is not yours to bear. Life is full of challenging situations and difficult choices. Um, the enemy is far too eager to take advantage of us in um, our vulnerability. I know what it's like though to try to convince myself of something that isn't true over and over. Um, I've been there many times and I've found that really only the truth um, and accepting the truth has been what set me free from that cycle. But I've only been able to receive that truth uh, in the context of a larger truth and that is the truth of his love and acceptance of us, unreserved and unconditional. We hope that knowing that it was real allows you to grieve. Know that as we continue, this message is for you as well. After all, you're a mom and you are loved. So if it was real, then that means that our loss was real too. So we can take time to grieve. Please do take time to grieve and to find comfort. But I think that's a hard thing to do, especially knowing that they're gone. Um, for me, the question that plagued my mind the most is, will I ever see them again? Having lost two babies to miscarriage, there's nothing I long for more than to see both of them again. I found comfort personally in what David said about the baby that he lost. He said, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. 
I think there's a measure where acknowledging that is difficult, but the comfort is that we will go to, go to them. We will see them again. And even knowing that now Jesus is taking care of them far better than we could. Now Mother's Day is this weekend. While we probably won't have a normal service because of social distancing, I imagine that pastors will still find a way to acknowledge moms. In a typical service, they would be asked to stand or offered a flower. I want you to know something. You can stand. You can receive that flower. Please let me be the first to say, Happy Mother's Day. If you would like more content, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can also find videos of our content on the Loving Theology YouTube channel. Visit us at lovingtheology.com to find all of our posts and links to our references. You can also subscribe to our email at our website or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks again for joining us.